Dear God, we give you thanks for your love and your grace and your mercy, your constant opportunity to be back on track with you. So I pray that today, Holy Spirit, you walk among us, you that you discern the feelings and thoughts in our heart, in our soul, in our mind, that we can connect with you, God. That we can feel not just your presence, but we can hear you talking to us. That we can, from scriptures, from the songs, from the prayers, from the sermon, God, that we can be able to hear clearly what you are talking to us. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Morning, everybody. I'm excited to see a lot of people, but half of the population left with the kids. Um, but I, it just—it was awesome to see them dancing. Like the life that they bring to the worship service um, is great. It's just great. It's, it's very enjoyable, and it makes me happy for my kids too because they feel free to dance. And like Nick said, I'm excited because they might take a nap after lunch today. So we started a sermon series last week about learning the way. So like I I spoke last week, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And last week we talked about something basic but important, and it was I am, the part I am. And who Jesus is, and simply the answer was, Jesus is God. Sometimes we get so comfortable with um, Jesus, we get so comfortable with Scripture, that we reduce Jesus to an idea, but we forget that Jesus is all. Like what Brooke was teaching, everything was made through Him. Jesus is God. And the focus that we're going to have today is the way. What was Jesus talking about when he was talking, I am the way? So, and I'm going to be reading the same Bible verses that I read last Sunday. I'm going to read it next Sunday and the Sunday after. And hopefully by the end of the month you memorize them. But this is how much we have. So, let's start. This is what Jesus said. Don't let this destroy you. You trust God, don't you? Trust me. There is plenty of room for you in my father's home. If that weren't so, will I have told you that I'm on my way to get a room ready for you? And if I'm not on my way to get room ready, I'll come back and get you so you can live where I live. And you already know the road I'm taking. Then Thomas said, Master, we have no idea where you're going. How do you expect us to know the road? Jesus said, I am the road, also the truth, also the life. No one gets to the Father apart from me. If you really knew me, you will know my Father as well. For now on, you do know him, you even see him. Philip said, "Uh, Master, show us the Father, then we'll be content. You've been with me all this time, Philip, and you still don't understand. To see me is to see the Father. So how can you ask, where is the Father? Don't you believe that I am, the, um, I am in the Father 
and the Father is in me, the words that I speak to you aren't mere words. I don't just make them up on my own. The Father who resides in me crafts each word into a divine act. Believe me, I am in my Father and my Father is in me. If you can't believe that, believe what you see. This works. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. Nobody, go, nobody goes to the Father if it is, if it is not through me. And we have made in, in our own traditions, we, that's one of the things and phrases and Bible verses that we got comfortable with. Jesus is the way. And at some point we made it a matter of a prayer. Like, Jesus is the way, so we need to pray in Jesus' name. We need to, um, we need to make a prayer accepting Jesus as our Lord and Savior, and that's it. That's the way. But, so the word that is in Greek here, the word that is used for road or way, is in Greek is hodos. And that word, hodos, means road, means way, means path, means journey. This word that we have in our Bibles translated as the way or road, it's found a lot of times in Scripture in these four different words. Road, Jesus is the road. Jesus is the way. Jesus is the path. Jesus is the journey. So when we see Jesus through those different four words, things start taking a different shape. It's not the same thing to say Jesus is the way as Jesus is the journey. Because when we say Jesus is the way, we can see it as a, as a door. That, that, that door is the way to the living room, and we just cross it. But if we say Jesus is the journey, oh, snark. It will take longer than just one step. Let's just give me an example. Let me give you an example. Let's see if I have there. There we go. No yet. Let me give you an example. If you're going to go somewhere, say, for example, you take I-85, and you're going to go somewhere where that road takes you, you don't step in that road, and you magically are in that place. You need to walk through it, drive through it, run through it, bike through it. I will, I will drive, I will not run, or bike, or even walk it. Uh, I will drive to it. But it's not like, it's not a magical thing, like saying, oh, you want to go there, you need to take 85. And it's not like, I'm an 85, am I there yet? Am I there yet? No, you have to take it. And it's the same way with Jesus. If we say Jesus is the road, Jesus is the way, it's not something of one moment that we make a prayer and that's it. Are we there yet? It's a journey. It's a walk. It's a process. Jesus was a model for radical actions. Seeing Jesus as the way will mean even more than just making a prayer. Will mean even more than just coming to church on Sunday. When Jesus was, um, was in the synagogue and he decided to read um, the passage of Isaiah, he was declaring the year of Jubilee. The year of Jubilee in Leviticus, it meant that all the slaves were free, 
all the debts were canceled, and all the property was going to be to be redistributed. So if we want to know what is the way of Jesus, what Jesus is calling us to be, what Jesus came to do, we have it very clear. Jesus said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. So part of being in Jesus' way, we bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. This is Jesus' way. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor, to proclaim the release to the captives, the recovery of the, um, the sight of the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the Lord's year. With this statement, Jesus was not just pointing to a spiritual reality, but he was also talking about a social event. Whatever transformation was going to happen, it wasn't just in the realm of the spiritual. It was something that was going to happen on earth. When we pray uh, the Lord's Prayer, and we ask God's will to be happening here on earth as it is in heaven, we're asking for that to be happening here. We're not praying for that moment when we die and we all are happy, happy, joy, joy in heaven. It's the moment when we are here right now, heaven down to earth. And it's so hard. It's not an easy thing. Because to take up the cross and follow Jesus meant to follow him in accepting the faith of a revolutionary. Jesus was a revolutionary. Jesus did not teach a lot of things that were new. He was bringing back things that were already part of his cultures, but they were forgotten. And Jesus didn't teach us that we had to love each other. Jesus was reminding us that we had to love each other. Jesus did not come to with these new, idea, new ideas of redistributing property and, and power. All that, he declares it. It was already part of the Jewish law in Leviticus. All deaths were going to be forbidden, forgiven. Jesus was a prophet. Every prophet in Scripture was a revolutionary. That's why they all end up dead. So I had this, this um, when I started seminary, the, the dean, um, uh, Richard Hayes, he said, everybody comes to seminary wanting to be a prophet. And that only teaches me that nobody knows what a prophet is. Because a prophet will be hated, will be insulted, and at the end, it will be killed. This is what happened to Jesus. Jesus was, Jesus was popular with the poor. Jesus was popular with the oppressed. Jesus was popular with the misfits. But Jesus was very unpopular with those in positions of power. Because his message said that servanthood replaced dominion and forgiveness absorbs hostility. Everything about Jesus' message was a transformation, a turning tables of what was going on in that moment and still today. We don't seek servanthood, we seek power. And we live in a hostile world 
where forgiveness is not strong enough to absorb it because maybe we're not practicing it. Now, just to clarify, I'm not saying that you, you know, salvation and the way through God is through works. What I'm saying is the works will show if you are already in Jesus' path, in Jesus' journey, in Jesus' way. They will show there is no way that they will not show. If you are in Jesus' way, you will see it. And, and Jesus brought that point back over and over again. He said in the passage that we read today, if you can't believe that, everything that he was saying, he said, believe what you see. This works. He should tell you enough of the things that I'm doing. And in Matthew, when John's disciples come, I said it last week, he said, go and tell John, Jesus replied, what you've seen and heard. When they asked him if he was the one that was to come, he did not say, yes, I am. He said, go and tell him, are you seeing her? Blind people are seeing. Lame people are walking. Lepers are being clean. Deaf people are can hear again. The dead are being raised to life. And the poor are hearing the good news. Jesus never claimed to be God. But his actions show who he was. Jesus' disciples... Everybody knew that they were followers, followers of the way because of the way they were living. It was known through history in the, that early history that the followers of the way were known because they spent a lot of time together. They shared everything they had. And there's a lot of extra biblical information about how great that community was. So, let me make... Let me make my point clear with the story. Let's pretend for a second that we live in a time, in a place where Christianity is declared illegal. Where being a follower of Christ is a subversive act that goes against the authorities. So one day a group of people come to your house and they take you and put you in jail. So the day after you're in front of a judge and you are in a trial for being a Christian. So you have a prosecutor and you have a judge and you are just there thinking this is over. The prosecutor starts bringing proofs. The prosecutor brings proofs of things that they, they have been following you for a while and they have pictures of you entering in a temple to worship. They have pictures of you speaking in churches, singing in churches about your faith. Then they decide to bring all the proof that they find in your house, worship music. They bring books that you have written, letters, poems, paintings that you have done that reflect your faith. And you start shaking. Because by that moment you realize there is no way I'm going to get out of this. And you're afraid to open your mouth because for a moment you remind, remember Peter and you don't want to deny Jesus like he did. And so you stay quiet. Then the prosecutor brings a big book. Your Bible. A book that was worn out. With a lot of notes and, and, and drawings. Everything proving that that book has been read over 
and over again. And in the main page was your name that belonged to you. So, after all these proofs were brought to the judge, he asked you to get out and just wait in the foyer for a couple of minutes while he deliberates. So you know you're done because there is no way that you will be set free after all the proofs that prosecution brought. How about you? So then a police come and invites you back into the courtroom and you see the judge looking at you and you're shaking and you're thinking today I might be convicted even I might be murdered because of my faith. So the judge starts talking, reading his notes, and he said, Of all the charges regarding Christianity, we declare the accused not guilty. Not guilty, you say? You're so confused, but at the same time enraged. Not guilty? And the judge says, Yes, you heard me. Not guilty. You're free to go. So you say, wait, wait, wait. What about all the proofs that were brought to you today? And the judge says, what proof? What are you talking about? And you say, well, what, what, what about the pictures that you have of me speaking and singing in churches and the countless hours of prayer? And the judge says, that's no proof of nothing. It only proves that you are a good actor. And that you have deluded yourself many times. And you might delude other people about what you believe. And, and you say, well, this is madness. What about the songs that I wrote, the poems that I wrote? What about the paintings? Well, that doesn't say anything more than the fact that you might be an artist, that you like to draw, that you like to write. That's no proof of anything. So you get furious. You don't understand what's going on. And you say, it's impossible that I'm not find guilty. And, and you shout like, judge, there's nothing that will prove the opposite. And the judge says to you, not so. Like, if it is something that you don't know. So the judge said, we don't care about the songs that you have write. We don't care about the poems you have written. We don't care about the times you have spoken. We're not interested in that kind of armchair lifestyle. What we care is about those that not only write about the world becoming a better place, but they live their life making it a better place. We, we do not care about you. You just go back to your house and keep writing songs and develop your theology. Because until you take the te Jesus' teachings and the disciples' teachings and the way of living as your way of life, until you defy the system, until you decide to act in a way that will serve others, until you become a thorn in our side, you are not an enemy of ours. We actually encourage you and other people to keep doing the same. Go back home. Go back to your church. Keep writing. Keep singing. Keep reading. That is not a problem for us. So let me ask you, is Jesus your way 
And if Christianity were illegal, will there be enough evidence to convict you? Is Jesus the way for you? And if Christianity were illegal, would there be enough evidence to convict you of being a follower of Christ? If we take Jesus' teaching seriously, sooner or later we will have a conflict with people in position of authority. Because every follower of Christ through history has encountered that opposition. Authentic faith is expressed not only on your acceptance of a belief system, but in a sacrificial, loving act. Jesus' way is action. Jesus' way, the word agape, love in Scripture, is not just a word, it's an action. It's something that you live. But the problem that we have is that we can fool ourselves into thinking that private beliefs are somehow more important and reflective of our essence than our public actions. So today, while reflecting in Jesus' way, think about this. Christianity is illegal. Will you be convicted of being a Christian? Or you will be encouraged to keep living the kind of life you are already living? Jesus' calling for us is to be radicals. Radical love, loving one another, speaking for those that cannot speak, attending for those that nobody is attending for, getting out of the walls that we enclose ourselves in, making the ways of Jesus our way of life is not about being static. It's about walking. It's about driving that road. Many of you, are from the times when GPS didn't exist. And if somebody recommended you a road to get somewhere, it was somebody that already took that road. Now, nobody will ever recommend you to take a road that nobody ever take, that that person never take. And it's the same with Jesus. If you want to be a witness of Jesus, of Jesus' ways, you need to show people. They need to see by the way you live by your actions that you are walking, that you are driving, that you are taking that journey. Let me pray. Dear God, we give you thanks. And we pray that if they don't believe what we say, people, that at least, at least can see our works. They can see how we are witnesses of who you are. And if people ask us if we are Christians, that we don't have to give a theological argument about who Jesus is, but just saying, see my life. See how I'm living my life, and that should tell you enough if I'm a follower of Christ or not. So Holy Spirit, I pray today that you reveal to us the ways that we have been falling short of making the ways of Jesus our way of life. And I pray that you encourage us and give us authority and freedom and energy and joy to walk that road, that we can be witnesses of who you are, Jesus. Dear God, we, we got comfortable. Help us to see the whole picture. Help us to see you and help other people to see you 
through us. That we as individuals, that we as a group of people, that we as a church, that we as a body of Christ can be clear witnesses of who you are and your way. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Just staying as we uh, close in worship today.